are listening to the Batflip Podcast, a baseball podcast from Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Damian and Matt. Welcome back, everyone, to the Batflip Podcast. My name is Damian here with my co-host, Matt, coming to you on May 10th of 2022. Got a, uh, a announcement between MLB and London this week. We have uh, some couple people getting injured. Uh, a key player getting optioned, uh, and then some bigger games that we wanted to touch on that happened from this last week individually-wise and some team-wise big comebacks. And then we'll jump into our players of the week at the end like always. But before we get into all of that, how are you doing, Matt? Doing great. Uh, just uh, had a pretty good week and uh, just ready to get to talking about a little bit of baseball. So, Yeah, well, we'll jump right in with this uh, MLB in London long-term partnership that was announced um, just yesterday, actually, as, as we're recording this. Uh, but MLB in London announced that over the next five years, some major events will be held um, in London trying to help grow the game. And that includes regular season games in 2023, 2024, and 2026. Yeah, this is a really cool thing to have uh, happen. I've been a big proponent of... Major League Baseball branching out and being the leader for worldwide baseball. Um, I think that, you know, there's been times where, you know, Major League Baseball hasn't done a great job of this. Stuff like, I mean, you know, last year we had, they could have taken an Olympic break and let Major League players play in the Olympics. So they didn't do that. Um, You know, that would have grown the game worldwide. And this is a game that obviously is already a, a international game. You have obviously, you know, in Asia, East Asia, um, it's it's just such a huge deal in, in Korea, Japan, Taiwan. It's a, it's a big thing. Uh, it's gotten, you know, kind of popular in Australia too. You see some big leaguers coming out of Australia now. I mean, Liam Hendricks, one of the best closers in the game from Australia. Uh, obviously, Central America um, and, and the Caribbean. It's big and, and North America, of course, but uh, but one of the last the last big place that hadn't really reached is obviously Africa and, and, and Europe. And of course, you know, Europe being an enormous sports, uh, you know, sports continent uh, and, and it's such a big part of the culture there uh, with with other sports that you would like to see baseball try to branch out a little bit better, get that market into Europe. Um, you know, and I think this is a great opportunity to do so. I think that the NFL has had a lot of success branching out to London and because the, because football is a great product and, you know, it's something that just branching that branching out there. I mean, they've started to really like that over in, over in, uh, in Europe, you talk about, um, you know, the NBA is becoming more popular over there and, and, and Baseball is something that, you know, go play games there. Go do some of these events there. Grow the sport over there. It'll help in the long run. Because uh, I truly do think that baseball can be an international sport at, at, on all levels, not just on, you know, kind of regional or on, on a regional level where it's like, you know, the Americas and then East Asia. Like, I think that Europe, if America's in East Asia love it, then I think Europe would love it. Uh, and I think eventually one day Africa would love it too, but it's just one of those things you just got to get to that point. So um, I uh, definitely, uh, definitely am, am, am think this is a big deal for, for the game, and I, I love that. I love that they're doing it, branching out. I, I hope that they'll continue to do this and and do it in you know more locations over there. You know that uh, the NFL kind of moved to 
are doing a game in uh, Munich this year, so uh, in Germany. So it'd be cool for the for MLB if this goes well in London to maybe do one in um, you know Paris or in you know Germany or Italy or something. You know, obviously they've done one in London before, but uh, definitely a, definitely a cool event. Yeah, you mentioned it right there at the end. Um, you know, it's not going to be their first trip into London. They did have the London series in 2019 with the Red Sox and the Yankees um, having a two-game series there, and it drew a, a really well crowd. Each each game was over 60,000 um, fans, and you know, it was a big offensive environment. There was 50 runs scored within that. So I wonder if they're looking at you know maybe trying to figure out a different style of a ballpark or if they like that way. Um, but it is it is very cool to see that they're branching out that way, and you know you said it's it's been kind of stuck to the Americas and the East Asias, and and it is cool to see it branching overseas to the Europe area because we've seen the NFL, we've seen the NBA have the success, and you know them really accept the sport and become fans of the sport. You see a lot of um, you know a lot of NFL fans from overseas. Um, so it is really cool. Now, you know, one of the other events that they have mentioned uh, is kind of in this. They have, it was announced before, but it, other events like this are kind of what we're talking about when they um, say over the next five years. But there's going to be a home run derby X that's going to take place in London's Crystal Palace Park on July 9th of 2022. Um, it's basically a competition between four franchises. The, the ones represented here are the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Dodgers and the Cubs. It'll have a former player, um, like a softball or women's baseball star, so they call it a superstar there, a region's local development system, so a rookie from around there, and then a influential content creator, Wildcard um, is what they're calling that. And then they're going to do a, the same event in Seoul on September 17th and then Mexico City on October 15th. So it's the, the London thing is the, the kind of start to this, but you already see with this event – that they're branching out to some other places and that that's just going to help the game grow even more. And maybe we see in the future, you know, if this London series works out and this home run derby X is a, a, a success that you see other events branching out to farther places in the world rather than just, you know, in the Mexico's and, and then even over to Europe. Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely true. And, and, you know, one other thing too is I, I would hope that major league baseball would, Obviously, you know we've got we've got the minor leagues in the Americas that are in the U.S. that uh, feeds into the big league clubs. But uh, it would be cool if Major League Baseball would develop some kind of partnership with some of the you know independent you know international leagues in Europe because they are there. They're just not very popular yet, and kind of help them grow too. Uh, that might be another step toward um, you know it, it, you could end up seeing something similar to you know the KBO or or uh, or the Japanese league and. Uh, you know, where you end up with a, you know, a place where you might even get some major league players come from there. So, um, you know, kind of growing that sport at the grassroots level is going to be a big deal. Um, but definitely, um, definitely like the idea. I mean, you know, just having fun events and, and having baseball be a part of that fun event. It doesn't even have to be a baseball game of major league teams. You know, like you say, these home run derbies, that, that's a cool event. But, um, I'm definitely excited to see what this brings and uh, hopefully, you know, hopefully you end up getting more uh, attention to baseball in Europe. Cause I think it's a big market that's never really even somewhat been explored yet. So. Yeah, it's really not. And, and it's something that the game really does need um, to help grow that younger and, and that fresh audience, um, which is something that they've really lacked for quite a while. 
But let's uh, let's go ahead and move on and, and let's move on to talking about the AL Central lead, division leading Twins. Um, they suffered a couple big injuries this week with uh, Carlos Correa being placed on the injured list today uh, with a thumb injury. Doesn't sound like it's going to be a, a very serious thing. They backdated it until the 6th. Um, there was thought that he might be able to avoid it, but I, they're just giving him a couple extra days. Um, he should be back as soon as it's up. Um, as soon as the days are up or really close to that. Uh, but the bigger blow is going to be Chris Paddock, who exited his start in the third inning uh, earlier this week. And it's being said now that he has elbow inflammation, and it's looking like a second Tommy John surgery is, is possible. Yeah, so, um, you know, to start off with, Chris Paddock, you know, that's a, that really is a shame because after that trade from uh, San Diego to Minnesota, he had started off very very nicely in Minnesota. His ERA at a 4.03 is just okay, not not the worst, but it's not great. But I mean, his peripherals were looking really, 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 really good in Minnesota to start this year. So really a shame to see him get injured. Uh, this is a guy too that San Diego had really, really, really babied his, his way up. I remember there was all that controversy about his innings limits a couple years ago, and uh, you know, not letting him throw, you know, full. Um, full workloads and um you know i think in some way that some ways that can be a two-edged sword because you know now you got a guy who has never really thrown a full starters workload trying to throw start for starters workloads and getting injured uh, but i think um you know it, it's a shame that he's injured um you know you really hate seeing that for a guy that's got Finally, he looked like he was starting to figure it out a little bit. And then for uh, Carlos Correa, uh, he had been off to such a slow start. It was real disappointing. But, um, but you know, obviously he's not going to be out for too long, which is a really good thing. Um, one uh, little silver lining to, uh, to the Correa injury was that they were able to call up Royce Lewis and give him his first cup of coffee in the big leagues, former number one overall pick. He had been mashing in AAA to start the year. Uh, after two years of not playing. 2020, we had the pandemic, and last year he dealt with an injury all year. But he had looked really good in AAA. They were f- able to get him his first uh, his first look in the big leagues, which is really cool. And he, um, he's he been pretty he, – he's had a pretty good start. I mean, he's three for three for ten to start his career. So uh, gotten a few hits, gotten that, gotten that taste in the big leagues. So that's pretty, uh, pretty neat for him. But um, kind of a note there. But I expect Correa to be back pretty soon. And I think the plan is for them to send – Royce Lewis back down to AAA to keep working on his game um, when, uh, you know, when Correa comes back and, and not to stick around in a different position or something. So, but definitely a cool thing to see. Yeah, it really is. And just, you know, looking at the way, even though Correa has started off slow, if you look at his, you know, exit velocities and, and the hard hit rate, it's, it, you know, top 10% in the league. So that, that'll come around and, and maybe this, this thumb injury and getting him on the ILs just a couple extra days to let him kind of just reset um, you know, after struggling and coming back strong that way. Paddock really does hurt because he was a lot better than, you know, he, he's probably better than what people would think, even though I'm not a big fan of his. Um, but the, the changes he had made when he went over to Minnesota, it had showed, you know, that there was still something there, even though the results didn't fully back it up. Um, but it's you know losing the starter on that rotation where they were already down for Sonny Gray. I'm not even sure if Gray's back yet or not. I think he is. Yeah. Um, so he is. But you know that rotation is so fragile. It's so thin already. And 
losing a guy like Paddock, who you expected to be a big part of that rotation moving forward and in and out for, you know, if he does have to have the t- Tommy John, which is his second of his career, it's going to be a, you know, it's going to be a big hurt. And they, they say the second's never, or the second one's usually a little bit easier than the first, but you never know. Uh, but uh, the next one we wanted to jump over to was the St. Louis Cardinals made the decision today to option uh, former all-star Paul DeYoung to AAA. Yeah, this is a, uh... This was an interesting move. It really sucks for Paul DeYoung. Um, you know, he had been – he had that one really good year. But, I mean, at the, at the end of the day, you know, you can't produce at the plate. You know, it, it's been – we're going on three years now of subpar production at the plate. His defense is still good. But, you know, maybe they, they probably feel like they could maybe still get something out of him if he could go figure out a swing at AAA. Um, you know, the projection system still like him. Uh, and he, he also ran a, a 173 batting average on balls of play this year too, so far, which is which is pretty low. But uh, you know, a guy who in 2019 was a 30 home run hitter. Um, you know, a obviously that was juice ball, but uh, 3.7 WAR in 2019. Uh, great defender, and you know, you think that uh, you know maybe he can go figure something out with the bat uh, and uh, come back little bit stronger uh, you know a guy who's not going to hit for you know a guy he doesn't walk an awful lot you know eight percent is not awful but you know 29 percent strikeout rate to start the year and then that batting average on balls of play being so low um you know probably help probably doesn't help it, it's a that might be a little bit of luck but that's kind of been the norm for him too the last couple of years he's been running he's been sustaining a low babbit so uh, you know last year was still a solid player a 1.4 war last year so uh, maybe he can figure it out, but I kind of doubt we're going to see it, especially with Edmundo Sosa about to come back up, and, and the Cardinals seem to really like him. So, Yeah, Edmundo Sosa had supplanted Paul DeYoung last year um, at shortstop for the majority of the playing time. Uh, it is going to be weird seeing where they go, um, You know, who's going to be the majority of the shortstop time there because it was either DeYoung or Sosa. Um, you know, one would say maybe Tommy Edmond, but then who plays second? You know, right now it was, you know, Nolan Gorman, they're not calling him up. And Sosa was kind of the backup there as well. So uh, it'll be weird to see how they divvy up the playing time that way. Um, once, you know, maybe if they do get De Young back in, in a month or so, if, if he can refine his swing there. But it is it is a little weird, but, it, you know, at the end of the day, you mentioned it's been three years since he did anything remotely close to league average um, as a hitter. And that's just not going to fly these days. You know, the days of being, you know, pretty a solid defender and, and nothing at the plate kind of just, you know, we're taking the, the, the approach away from that, it seems like. So, but who knows? I mean, he's still young enough to where he can find something there and come back and have, you know, some solid years left. I'm, I'm honestly shocked he's still at option, ability to be option. <laughs> yeah, so. there, that is true. But, uh, we wanted to, to highlight some games and some specific performances um, this last week that have happened. Um, and the big or one of the big ones that we wanted to start with was Rowdy Telez in a 18 to four win for the Milwaukee Brewers over the Cincinnati Reds. He ended up having two homers and eight RBIs. Yeah. Rowdy Telez is off to a really good start this year. We kind of mentioned it a little bit last week, but uh, you know, he has just been crushing the ball. Um, He's already got seven home runs on the season. 
uh, in in just 29 games, 105 plate appearances. Uh, he he's he, if you look at his baseball savant page, it's basically all reds, which is really good. Um, and then uh, you know this is just a guy that you know you've always seen a little bit of potential there with the bat. Uh, he's a big guy. He's got a pretty good swing. Hits lefty. Can, can hit righties real well. But you just kind of got really good power. But you just kind of haven't seen him take off yet. And, um, you know, this year he's shown signs of maybe being able to do that. Definitely would like to see him be able to get up his uh, walk rate a little bit, being that kind of power first baseman. Uh, but, you know, he's put up a you know 147 WRC plus so far this year, which is really solid. A .6 war already, um, you know, and this year having a 567 sucking percentage seems to be pretty difficult. So, uh, you know, it's been a bit of good start for him and, and that game just kind of highlights it. I mean, just the brewers in general too have been, they haven't been great offensively, but they've been way better than they were kind of expected to be. And, uh, you know, Rowdy Telez and that 18 to four win, even though it was the reds kind of highlights that. So, uh, definitely, a um, definitely a good thing to see from Rowdy Telez and, and we'll see if he can continue that, you know, for a while. Yeah. I remember when Rowdy Telez was drafted and they were talking about how it, when he can find it, he can be one of the best hitters in the game. And, you know, it's taken him some time and, and, you know, a couple different spots, be it, you know, starting in Toronto and had some, some decent years there. Um, and then getting, you know, flipped to Milwaukee last year. And then, you know, what you've seen so far this year, he's basically seemed like that hitter that people thought he could be um, at one time. Uh, and he's he's pro, he's not your prototypical like platoon guy. Like he hits lefties pretty decent in his career. Um, he's he's struggling a little bit this year, but uh, for a big lefty power bat, most of the times you see that they're only good against righties. And he's been doing a pretty decent job against both sides throughout his career. So hopefully he gets some uh, some more playing time. We see this keep up. But uh, another one of the big games we wanted to mention um, was Josh Naylor uh, had two homers and eight RBIs and leading a comeback win. Uh, for the Cleveland Guardians over the Chicago White Sox yesterday. Yeah, so uh, that was a uh, what a game for Naylor. I was actually watching that game. I was I was about to go to bed, and it was just it was uh, the game of the day on MLB Network or whatever. So I had it I had it on in the background, and I, I kind of laid down to go to sleep, and I had it, still had it on, and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna just watch the end of it. It's the ninth inning. It's a six run game. Just you know, whatever. I might see something cool. And then uh, something crazy happened in that Josh Naylor at the Indians or the Guardians, excuse me, came all the way back from six six runs down and uh, capped it off with a uh, Josh Naylor grand slam to tie the game. This was after a couple errors, by the way, by uh, Tim Anderson, who now has eight errors on the season already, which is pretty remarkable. Uh, but Josh Naylor hit the grand slam to tie the game. And then I did fall asleep. Uh, because I had to work this morning. I had to turn it off and go to bed. But uh, I've come back to this morning and look at it, and, and Josh Naylor, of course, hit another home run to, to, to go ahead in the, uh, in extra innings in the 11th inning, a three-run homer. So eight RBIs on the game for him. Uh, just a few talking points off that game. That, that game was kind of a microcosm of the White Sox season. Uh, you know, just they, they had it in the bag. They looked really good. They were the better team. You know, they had good contributions from their – you know, their starter did well. We'll talk about him a little bit later, a uh, little bit of a spoiler there. But um, their, uh, you know, and their bullpen was pretty good for the most part. And then they completely lost all of their focus in the ninth inning. And they made 
two or three errors and two bad errors and then uh just couldn't get it together i mean you know you saw liam hendricks come in there and walk a couple guys give up a couple hits and then you know liam hendricks giving up a grand slam is not typical uh so uh and, and then of course for cleveland you know they've been sneaky good this year so far they their their record's not great but they've been kind of decent um so uh, i definitely think uh definitely think it was an interesting uh definitely an interesting game and uh you know i like um you know i like what i've seen from josh naylor this year too 181 wrc plus is really good he's he's a really weird player he doesn't strike out doesn't walk a lot uh, but you know, he's also kind of a lefty power bat, which that's kind of a weird profile a lefty power bat that doesn't strike out much. Doesn't walk much. He plays first base, but he's short and he probably should play outfield, but he's not fast enough. He's not a good enough athlete to play outfield. He's kind of a, you know, probably shouldn't be a DH really, but of course Cleveland's got a few DHs. So, uh, but definitely an interesting player and having an interesting season in that game last night was wild. Yeah. And, well, I think what makes it even a better story so far is, is this, not only the success he's having this year, you know, with the 338 average, 374 or 370 on base and a 574 slugging with a 944 OPS, is that he's doing this coming back after basically getting his ankles shattered in a play with his teammate where they collided in the outfield and he landed weird and it broke his ankle. And I think that's part of the reason why they have him playing first base now too is to help limit some stress on that. But he's been really good and he had shown little flashes of this before but never the consistency to to put it up and it is still a small sample you know he still only has 73 plate appearances but it has been pretty cool to see josh naylor um you know one of the guys who was a, a former you know first overall pick or first round draft pick number 12 overall um you know starting to hit that breakout at age 24 uh, and that game was wild like you you don't hardly ever see liam Hendricks give up you know game tying grand slams um, and just the white Sox in general, speaking of the, the, you know, how bad defensively they were. Did you see what their, uh, the, the uh, white Sox broadcaster did when oh, Gavin sheets made the air? Oh yeah. I heard it. Yeah. He, oh. they, he dropped the ball easy and he's the white Sox broadcaster was like, are you shitting me? Like, Oh, you never see broadcast do that. It was hilarious. Yeah. yeah but, uh, but one, one more note on that, uh, that trade, or that on Josh Naylor is that trade is looking really bad for San Diego. Um, I mean, they gave up Josh Naylor who obviously is looking pretty decent and, and definitely looks like an everyday player at the big league level. Uh, Austin hedges is, you know, kind of a defense first kind of backup slash. He can start if you really need him to catcher. but Cal Quantrill's been a pretty decent big leaguer. They also gave up Gabriel Arias, Arias, who's been in the big league some, and Owen Miller, who's having a little bit of a breakout, even though I don't think he's going to sustain it. So it's pretty crazy that they gave up all that for Clevenger, who's pitched. I believe he pitched. And that's another news story we haven't really talked about. I think he pitched his first game with the Padres this week. Um, so against uh, the Guardians, yeah. So definitely an interesting, uh, definitely interesting there. But uh, but yeah, I mean that you know that's kind of one of those things like um, that's been a really bad trade for San Diego, who has been known to have some bad trades in the past few years. So, yeah, it, that uh, I think we ran down the other day and, or maybe it was a couple weeks ago in our group chat, the, uh, the trades that they've made, yeah, and you could make basically an all-star team 
um, of, of the players they've traded yeah, away. Trey but, Turner, Max Freed, yeah. uh, Josh Naylor. The, <laughs> the list goes uh, on. Ty France. Yeah. And, I mean, the guys they've traded them for have – I mean, some of them have had some success, but they haven't all had success. I mean, it's like Austin Nola. He's been okay, but is he as good as uh, – is he as good as uh, Ty France? No. No. Like, I mean, you look at, uh, you know, Max Free. Justin Upton was there for, like, one year, and he was just okay. Max Freed's looking like a, you know, potential ace right now and has been for the last three or four years. You know, you look at uh, – and then this trade's starting to look pretty bad. I mean, you're looking at a guy who looks pretty pretty good at first base for, for Cleveland and, and Josh Naylor. And, you know, San Diego's gotten, what, one start out of, out of, the, out of the guy they got for him. So um, we're definitely getting into – AJ Preller is it's, it's interesting for sure. He deserves a lifetime contract. But uh you know let's let's jump to another game and we talk about this guy a lot but he just continues to to do things that make us want to talk about him and it's Shohei Otani. Um he had a 3-4 game yesterday in a big win against Tampa Bay, two homers, one being a grand slam, um went back to back with Mike Trout uh and then you know on the mound this week as well he had another amazing performance yeah so Shohei Otani um I was more impressed by his what he did on the mound this week I was watching that game and I mean he it wasn't I think it was the best he's ever looked in his career I mean he was untouchable he wasn't he was throwing everything for strikes I mean his stuff was just insanely good you know he had what a you know seven innings like something like 11 or 12 strikeouts again no walks um you know, anything that has been a bugaboo for him in the past, like like his control a little bit, it wasn't an issue for him and, and hasn't been as much of an issue this year. He just, he just keeps getting better on the mound. And the other day was just a prime example of that. And then, of course, I mean, he comes in last night and, uh, you know, we've talked about him some and it's very special to get to watch the Angels right now because I don't know how good the team is because of the depth and stuff. They, they look pretty good so far. We'll see if they keep it up. They really need their pitching to hold together. They need their um, and, and they need their um, they need their their um, they they need their rest of their, their depth in their lineup to hold together too. Because you know we'll see if Taylor Ward can keep it up. I mean we'll see if Brandon Marsh can keep it up. Uh, you know that some of these guys are you know we'll, we're just gonna have to wait and see. But um, the fact that we're able to watch Otani and Trout hit back to back is incredible. And, you know, back-to-back home runs. I think it's the first time that's happened for, for those two guys together. And, um, you know, that's a truly special to watch the, the two best players in the game, you know, played on the same team and being able to do that. I, I really – I really – I try to – every time that I get a chance to watch the Angels, I try to watch them. And it's a shame that they're not on, you know, national broadcasts more and featured more on, on stuff because they haven't been good. Which I understand not featuring them as much because they because the, I mean their record's been not good the last few years but I'm just hoping that they're able to sustain what they've started off this year because I mean I'd love that is that would be so good for the game to get to, or for for people a general audience to get to watch these two guys play in you know in meaningful games at the end of the season rather than just you know have a back to back against the I don't even remember who they were playing but um, you know on a Monday night in you know, in May. So uh, definitely, definitely, you know, definitely love watching that. And, um, you know, two, two guys who are just special players. Yeah. And to see those two at the top of their game, 
um, that's that's what's really fun here. And then seeing the Angels be as good as the Angels are um, right now, and hopefully that they're able to keep it up because that team and Mike Trout needs to get into the playoffs. Um, and, and they have all the talent. You know, if Syndergaard's able to do it, keep it up. If Rendon's able to stay healthy, you get Otani and Trout. You've seen guys like Taylor Ward break out. Like that team is is really fun, um, and it's a uh, it's going to be fun to watch them throughout the year. But uh, from a team that's really fun to watch to a, a team that is not so fun to watch, if you are a fan of the Philadelphia Phillies and what they did this week against the New York Mets, uh, having a seven nothing lead and then end up losing eight to seven. Yeah, I was watching that game on Thursday night as well, and. Uh... That was the perfect example of the Philadelphia Phillies from the last three or four years. You know, they, they look good. They build up a good lead. They have a good outing from their starting pitch. I think Nola was pitching that game and pitched like six or seven innings of, of you know, shutout ball. And they get to the ninth inning and the bullpen implodes. I mean, it's just it's a carbon copy every year. And, you know, it was just your typical Phillies implosion. I mean, they didn't play very good defense. They, their pitchers were not good. They walked guys. I mean, I, I just, it, it, that's one of my biggest pet peeves is watching somebody walk a guy with a six run lead in the ninth inning. I mean, just throw a meatball down the middle. You could have a position player out there. They probably wouldn't give up six runs in the ninth inning. Um, you know, it's just one of those things that, um, I mean, it's hard to believe that it just continues to happen. And the fact that they haven't really invested in that bullpen. I know they brought in Corey Knebel this year, but, I mean, you know, the Corey Knebel is only so much. I mean, you look around the big leagues and, you know, teams that made investments. I mean, the Dodgers went out and traded for Craig Kimbrell. I mean, the Phillies couldn't have done that. I mean, the Dodgers gave up a, a, a decent major leaguer, but it wasn't like they gave up a lot of surplus value in that deal because Pollock's contract is probably about what, what Pollock's worth. And then you got, you know, Kenley Jansen was a free agent. The, the Phillies not have tried to sign Kenley Jansen. You know, they could have probably overpaid him a little bit, gotten him over Atlanta. I mean, you, you, you know, it's just one of those things that it's hard to believe that they still haven't been able to figure out the bullpen. And, um, you know, the Phillies are starting to get to a um, – they're starting to get to a position where some of their players are starting to age a little bit. And, you know, they're going to have some question marks here going forward. Um you know, a lot of their prime players, you know, Bryce Harper's in his prime right now. They're going to waste it because of the of just not being able to put the final pieces together on a team. And, uh, and of course, the Mets, you know, it's just kind of been like the Mets season this year, too. I mean, it's been, you know, get a little, you know, have a couple of, of you know, the other team makes a couple of mistakes and have a couple of, uh, you know, balls that weren't hit all that hard fall. And, uh, you know, just keep um, – keep pounding away and you know they're making it happen right now they, they look really um they, they really kind of have the it factor about them right now that you know is they're having a really good season and uh i don't think they're going to keep up the pace they're on now i mean they've they they have had a lot of of good fortune but at the same time i think they are a really good team and they're going to have a they're going to be really difficult for anybody to catch and i mean you know if they can get fully healthy you know, with the Grom coming back or, you know, having all their pitchers be, you know, 100%, they're going to be really, really, really tough. So we'll see what ends up happening. Um, but uh, definitely a fun game to watch. I mean, it's kind of one of those things where baseball never ceases to amaze you. We've had two games in the last week that was six to nothing in the, 
you know, in the, in the, in the final inning and, uh, you know, ends up being a, uh, you know, go, get, going the other way. I mean, there's how many times do you see blowout games just get flipped like that? It's, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, it is pretty wild, especially when you see a major league team blow a seven run lead. Um, it's, it, it's very rare, but you know, that's why I, I don't understand when people were like, well, you know, you can't try and bunt for a hit when you're up seven, nothing, or you, you don't swing three Oh, when you're up seven, nothing. It's like, dude, baseball doesn't have a clock. You never know when the other team is going to put together a rally and, and be able to, to pull it off. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's been wild. I think that's, you know, part of the problems we've seen with Philly the past couple of years, the bullpen and the defense just being so bad that it's leading to, you know, them not being the team that many think they should be. And, uh, and the Mets have looked really good, especially with, even without DeGrom, um, you know, there's probably some aggression going to happen there, but you know, it's pretty fun what they've been doing so far to, to watch, um, at least from outside the division. I don't know if it's too much or not that fun watching from the, uh, inside the division as a Braves fan, but, um, Overall, I mean, it, it's been a pretty fun year to watch the Mets and, and what they've been doing, and, and games like this just kind of show that. But, uh, you know, basically that's going to wrap up for the, the main part of the show, and then we're going to jump over to Players of the Week and, uh, and wrap this thing up pretty soon. But who do you got for your, uh, your hitter this week? So my hitter this week, I picked, um, I picked Jose Altuve. And Jose Altuve battled some injury to start the season this year. Uh, but, and he was looking a little bit, not great, but, um, you know, for the past seven days, he's really kind of figured it out. Um, you know, 474 average, 565 own base, 947 slugging. He's at three home runs. Uh, he's only played six games. They had a, they had an off day, um, and, uh, put up 0.7 war, which was tied for, or tied for third in the big leagues over the last seven days. Uh, and obviously, you know, with playing the uh, one fewer game. You know, that, that's a big deal, too. But on the season, Jose Altuve, you know, he's starting to look really good. He's, he's been in – he's kind of been himself. His, his numbers have come up. He's had a uh, – he's, he's got a 156 WRC+. plus. He's hit 262, which is a little low for him because the BABIP is low. Uh, a 273 BABIP for a guy whose career average is at 328 on BABIP. Uh, but he's also uh, – you know, he's walking a lot. 15% walk rate, which is – astronomically higher than any other season he's ever had. And I don't think he'll sustain a 15% walk rate, but he's, he's not striking out a ton, maybe a little more than last year, but he's been a great player for them this year. And, uh, you know, we'll see if he can keep it up. It, it's been a, it's been a nice season for him, a good bounce back from the, from the beginning of the year where first week or two people were talking about him being cooked. And I was like, you know, it's pretty small sample size. And sure enough, here we come and, you know, it's age 32 season. He's looking like one of the better players in baseball still. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a really good week for Jose Altuve and, and, you know, mentioned he struggled to begin with the season, but um, you know, he's really bounced back and, and the Astros really did need him to bounce back. He's, he's kind of the, the person that leads that team as they, as he goes, they go. Um, so they really needed him to, to be good. And, and he's showing back that he's to that level again. Uh, but for my hitter this week, I ended up I ended up going with um, a guy who doesn't usually have weeks like that, and it's uh, Manuel Margot. Uh, if you look, he was the second best offensive player, tied with Manny Machado this week. Uh, Four seventy eight average, a five twenty on base, a nine fifty seven slugging, a three forty one WRC plus, and had three home runs this week for a guy whose career major league high is twelve in his career to have three this week. 
um, and 11 RBIs, four stolen bases. Um, it was a pretty pretty fun week for Manuel Margot um, from a guy who you know doesn't isn't really a a superstar player um, and just had one of those hot weeks. I feel feel like he deserved to be mentioned a little bit. Yeah, uh, Manuel Margot definitely interesting, and you know I just wanted to point out here that you remember when the Rays traded Austin Meadows and uh, re-signed Manuel Marco and everyone's asking what the hell are they doing? Uh, well, Manuel Marco has a 175 WRC plus and Austin Meadows is hurt again. So, you know, it, <laughs> the Rays just keep on winning those types of deals. I mean, it's pretty remarkable. But, um, you know, moving on to the pitcher of the week for me, um, you know, I always try to, I, w- I would have gone with Shohei, but we've talked about him all the time, which I guess we just talked about him a minute ago. But I also, uh, you know, I kind of have to, um, I also like to go with some two-start guys, and one two-start guy that, that caught my caught my eye was uh, Michael Kopech. He, he made two starts this week, didn't give up a run. He only pitched ten innings. He's not going to be a high innings guy, especially right now as he's kind of transitioning from, you know, mostly having been in a bullpen role to, to going into more of a starter role this year. Uh, but you know, ten innings, uh, he's given up uh, he gave up zero runs, ten strikeouts per nine. So I, I think that's what eleven strikeouts. Um, and, um, you know, a, a few walks, but not nothing too, too bad. I think four walks in 10 innings. So, or, um, but definitely a guy who, um, you know, he's been really good, uh, for, for the, for the White Sox this year. I worry a little bit about him being able to get the ball on the ground. He, he's got a 30% ground ball rate, which is pretty low. Um, he's, he hasn't given up a home run yet. You would expect that to change with that ground ball rate being so low. He's getting a lot of fly balls. Eventually one of them's going to leave the yard. But, uh, you know, 246 FIP, it's really good. His, obviously, his ERA at an 093 is incredible. Uh, his fastball velocity is, is a lot lower than I would expect from him. Uh, surprisingly, it's under 96 miles an hour, uh, which is obviously still really good at 95.8. But, uh, you know, last year he started 97, most of that coming out of the bullpen, but still. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Kopech's been really good. And, um, you know, the the White Sox have really needed it with the injuries they have in that pitching rotation. I mean, Lance Lynn being out for a while. And, uh, you know, Giolito spent some time not being fully healthy. And, uh, you know, they also lost Carlos Rodon off of last year's team. So uh, this is a team that really needed Kopech to come in and step up as a starter, along with Dylan Cease, you know, having his real breakout last year probably but but really being good so far this year Kopech's kind of been another another guy for them and it's a shame that the White Sox can't play behind him and you know uh decided to blow a six-run lead in the game he pitched last night so yeah Kopech is one of my favorite players um pitchers to watch at least um I remember when he came up his rookie year was a fireballer I tried everything I could to try to trade for him um and I could wasn't able to do it in our in my fantasy league, but Kopech is one of those guys who has the special talent. He has that special mix if he's able to stay healthy um, to be one of the upper echelon starters in the league. And I think you're finally starting to see this now that he's getting his shot back in the rotation. Um, a guy who they put in the bullpen the last couple of years um, to try and keep that arm healthy, kind of build him up a little bit, and he's you know back to to kind of having the the reins off, and he's shown what he can do. Um, and he's pretty special and pretty fun to watch when he does that. Uh, but my pitcher this week that I went with is Merrill Kelly from the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, it was only a one start this week, um, but I was actually watching this game and I was pretty impressed with what he was doing. Uh, eight and two thirds innings of shutout baseball, 
of, of what he did. They, they, he did leave with runners on first and second and gave up um, the bullpen, gave up one of the runs there, but he was just super efficient. Um, you know, eight strikeouts there, but I think he went into the, to the ninth inning at like 85 or 90 pitches or something. Um, and he kind of ballooned there in the, in the, in the end, that's why he ended up getting pulled, but was just, you know, one of the guys has been who has been very underrated this year. Um, I believe we were looking before the show, and he's like the third-ranked pitcher so far in war this year um, in all of baseball. And nobody's really talking about him. Nobody's even really hearing about him. Um, so I just I felt he deserved to, to get a little recognition after that game and then for, you know, sort of his season he's been having so far as well. Yeah, Merrill Kelly's been great. Um this year and it's pretty been, been pretty interesting for him you know a guy who i think he i think he had pitched in korea some and then he came over uh you know to, to, to play in the big leagues and arizona signed him and he he's been okay at times in his career so far but uh you know with the with larger sample size seasons he, he only pitched in five games in 2020 uh, was really good in his five guest starts that year but he's been kind of a mid four zra guy this year he's just taken off so far uh, he's striking out more guys than he than he has ever struck out. Honestly, the profile is not that much different. He's just you know, just a little bit better in every facet. Um, striking out a few more, walking a few less, um, you know, and getting the ball on the ground just a little bit more. And uh, you know, he's been really good. I mean, a 205 FIP, a 122 ERA. Uh, those numbers are incredible. His expected numbers are. He's still good. I mean, his expected FIP and expected ERA are both around a 3-3, which is really good. And, uh, you know, obviously Merrill Kelly is a guy – it'll be interesting to see what happens with him because he's 33 years old, and if he keeps this up, he might be a really, really intriguing player for the for the uh, Diamondbacks to, to look at maybe uh, sending at the trade deadline because he's under control through 2025 – but he's also, you know, he's, he's 33 years old. So, you know, you don't know if he's going to fit their window and you can, um, you could definitely, um, you know, you could definitely decline that he's got a 2025 club option. So you're probably under control. I think two more years after 2022 ends and it's a two year, 18 million is what it is at that point. So, uh, definitely a guy who it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. Uh, but, the start for him has been great and we'll see he, he could be a pretty valuable piece for the diamondbacks to either hold on to in case they decide to contend next year which i kind of doubt or to move at the deadline if he continues to keep this pace up yeah he really can be um and you know the diamondbacks kind of can use that to flip um at the deadline or moving forward to to help their rebuild out rebuild out and somebody can get a pretty solid pitcher because i think he could be a, a you know a low three, probably high four in a, in a decent rotation and, and be an innings eater for a lot of people. So we'll be interesting to see what they do moving forward. But uh, you got anything else you want to wrap up on? Uh, I don't really think so. Um, excited to see what happens here in the coming weeks. Um, you know, the, the weather's starting to heat up around the country a little bit. We'll see if that helps maybe with some of the fly ball issues we've had. Um, you know, I think it, uh, I think there's been a lot of talk about that lately about home runs and, you know, fly balls dying out and everything. And we'll see if they, maybe they end up having some more, um, you know, maybe the weather heating up will help with that a little bit, but, um, but we'll see. And I think, uh, you know, these early season, you know, kind of getting into May games, they, they're important. I mean, 
you got a lot of players who have had hot starts who, you know, they start to kind of struggle this time of year. They, they could really fall off a cliff. You got some players who started really slow. They get hot right now. They could kind of continue that and salvage a really good season. So, uh, but you know, you're kind of getting to the point where you're kind of telling who some of the better teams are, some of the worst teams and, and your sample size is getting just a little bit bigger. So, uh, definitely going to be interesting to see here in, in the next few weeks. It's a kind of important time of the year here in the next two or three weeks to, for, for every team to kind of establish where they're going to be come, kind of going into that summer. So um, I definitely am uh, interested to see what happens and we'll, um, you know, we'll move on to move on to some more, uh, more games this week and um, it'll be great. So just a good season so far. Yeah, it's been a really fun season so far. Hopefully we have a couple more talking points um, that we can get to this next week or so. Um, I feel like we've been kind of lacking and just kind of throwing stuff, some stuff together just to make a, make episodes happen. So hopefully some real fun stuff happens this week that we can get to talk about. Um, you know, and moving forward, we know we're going to start hitting that push for um, start talking about all-star game ballots here in about a month or so. And then, you know, going into the whole trade deadline in the middle of July and stuff. But uh, been fun so far and you know be uh be bringing it to you weekly so thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of the bat flip podcast and we'll catch you guys next week <laughs>